Welcome to Baking with House of Bread, and I am your host, Sheila McCann. Today we're going to dive into one of the holiday quick bread favorites of gingerbread. Historically, gingerbread refers to a cake-like bread made with ginger and molasses, so it's no surprise that's what's in our gingerbread as well. And you can trace back gingerbread's roots to around 1500 BC in ancient Egypt. So if you think about that, that's 1500 years before Christ. Anyway, they uh, discovered what was called honey cakes, and they're flavored with ginger and other spices. And they're found in the Pharaoh's tombs, along with written references to the confection. Now, I don't make this up. What I do is when I start these podcasts, I mean, I base upon, obviously, you know, one of the house bread recipes, but I, I'm learning so much more history because I'll I'll just basically go to Wikipedia or Google it. I was surprised that this gingerbread goes back so far in time to Egypt. I mean, I would have guessed Holland for some reason, maybe because of the gingerbread homes. But apparently ginger made its way to Europe when the 11th century crusaders brought it back. So the crusaders is another way of describing a military operation. Their objective basically was to spread their Christian religion. They didn't really give too many people too many options. It was pretty much like <laughs> convert, you know, from Islam to Christianity or we're going to do bad things to you. But anyway, so these guys came back, though, and they brought a lot of new spices back home. There was like the spice wars and a lot went on about spices. And so I can't imagine being in Europe at the time when there was no ginger, no cinnamon, and there was no Thai spices, no Indian spices. I mean, they didn't even get salt for a while. So that food, it's still, in my mind, like the English food in some of those countries, uh, the food's a little bland, and it's just, just taken a long time for them to incorporate a lot more of the spices that they got. But here in the United States, you know, the nice thing about being us is that we're kind of a melting pot. So we got a lot of great spices. And I love the smell of our gingerbread when it's mixed with that scent of molasses. I recommend toasting a slice of it, and then if you can add cream cheese or whipped cream if you have more of a sweet tooth. And the recipe we're going to cover will yield about two good-sized loaves. So you can freeze one, or better yet, give one away. And we also make a gluten-free version of gingerbread, and it's so easy to switch out. And we use the Bob's Red Mill. It's a one-to-one, -one, so it's a gluten-free flour mix. The nice thing about that particular gluten-free flour, it already contains xanthan gum. And xanthan gum is basically the binder for gluten-free breads. It's already in the flour, so you don't have to worry about measuring that. Um, I'll include a link in the show notes to the recipe as well as the, where to find that gluten-free flour if you want to go that way. Now, we were experimenting with a vegan gluten-free gingerbread, and we're still working on that one. So the eggs are really easy to switch out, and that we use flax seeds. Um, so we kind of crush them, and then we whip them up, but it's the butter. That's the hard one. So we're still working on that, but I will do another podcast in the future on both a vegan episode and as well as gluten-free. Okay, this recipe is a quick bread, meaning there's no yeast or rising time associated with, and that's why they call it quick breads. And with all quick breads, you want to mix your wets thoroughly, and then your dries 
in a separate container and mix those thoroughly. And then when you combine them, you just barely mix them because you don't want to develop gluten. If you develop gluten, it kind of toughens up the product and it becomes a little more dense. And so that's why you mix the wets separately and the dries separately. And you can overmix the wets. I mean, so, I mean, I take that back. You can't overmix at that stage. It's only when the two are combined and that moisture hits your leavening agents that there's a danger in, in overdeveloping the gluten. And for that same reason is, is that you want to start with a pastry flour or all-purpose or even a cake flour will work great too. But if all you have on hand is bread flour, then by all means, go ahead and use it. A white bread flour. A whole wheat's going to be too dense for this recipe. And if you want to substitute some whole wheat flour, 25% is about as most I would recommend before you start compromising the quality. Anyway, so if you're going to use the bread flour, just be extra careful not to overmix when you combine the wets and the dries. And I cover a lot more so about flours in episode one. So I'm going to give you the recipe, give you some tips. Like I said, there's going to be a complete recipe in the show notes as usual. So half a cup of white granulated sugar and three fourths of a cup of softened butter, not melted, but softened. And the easiest way to get softened butter is basically to leave it out overnight on your counter. And if you forget, then just put the butter in the microwave for about 30 seconds. And if you poke it in your finger and it easily dents it, then you're good to go. It's okay if some of the partially gets melted, if then the bulk is still solid and soft. It's not okay if the majority of it's melted which is why you just want to start with 30 seconds on your microwave and increase on 30 second intervals. If you melt it, then save it for another application and get some other bread, excuse me, some other butter out of the refrigerator and try it again. And it's important to use softened butter in baking when they call for it, because when the sugar and butter are creamed together, you're aerating it before you add in the rest of the ingredients. And the process of beating the butter and sugar together creates this whole network of fat, sugar, and air. And this will help leaven your baked good and create a more fluffy and tender product. So you take that softened butter and your sugar and you beat it together. Now, if you have a mixer, you can just use your paddle attachment. Or if you use your hand, you can use either a whisk or a fork will work just fine too. And like I said, you're not going to overmix the butter and sugar. So beat away for a few more minutes if you're in doubt. And if you're using that mixer, then just use a high speed will be good. And like I said, you're not going to overmix it. So leave it on high speed for longer than you think. And then when you add in the other ingredients, you want to move down to more of a medium uh, setting of speed. Okay, then you want to add in one egg and continue mixing. And then one and a quarter cups of molasses and just beat another minute or two. In a separate bowl, mix the, the below ingredients I'm gonna talk about until just incorporated. And that's your four cups of pastry or all-purpose flour, a three-fourths cup of hot water, one and a half teaspoon of baking soda, one teaspoon of cinnamon, one teaspoon of ginger, and then a half a teaspoon of cloves and a half a teaspoon of salt. So you kind of mix those all together. If you want to add more ginger, feel free. This just has a teaspoon in it. You could add a couple teaspoons if you'd like. I um, just want to keep in mind the proportion of wet and dry ingredients. I mean, it's such a small amount of teaspoon, it's not going to matter a whole lot. 
But I will tell you though, this has a nice ginger taste and I have experimented because I thought, well, gingerbread, it, it should be, you know, really gingery. I added too much and it kind of overpowered everything else. I have a one-to-one -one portion of cinnamon and ginger, then half teaspoon of cloves added. And the salt a lot in baking recipes, it's not to be tasted. It's really more of a, a chemical property to it. So it does have a half teaspoon of salt. And let's say you're on a really extreme salt restricted diet and you can't even have a quarter of a teaspoon of salt and a whole loaf of bread, then you can omit it. But I prefer you do add it unless you have an extreme dieting need because salt will bring out a lot of the other flavors. Okay, so now is when you're going to add the drives to the wet ingredients and mix gently until they're fully incorporated. And here is where you spray your pans. I don't really know what size pans you have, and you can really use about any size you want. I mean, you can use even cake pans, bread pans, muffin tins. But the key thing is you want to fill about three-fourths full because it will it's going to rise a bit in the oven. I mean, it's not like bread. You're not going to get a huge spring, but they do rise. And this also makes really nice gingerbread muffins, and you can wrap those up and give those away as gifts. And so bake in a 350-degree oven for about 25, 30 minutes if you're going to do muffins, and more like 60 to 70 minutes for your full loaves. And to tell when a quick bread is done, I would recommend just poking it in the middle with a toothpick in the center of the loaf. And if it comes out clean, then you know you're good to go. If it's batter on your toothpick, then you need to bake it a little bit longer. And the other way you can tell is that push on the top of the loaf in the middle. And if it springs back on you, then you're done. If it sinks in a bit, then you know you need to bake it a little bit longer. And now you want to just let it cool in the pan for maybe 10 to 15 minutes before we remove it from the pan and put it on the wire rack. If you immediately try to remove it, the bread's just more fragile and it might break on you. And not only that, but you're more likely to burn yourself too. On this loaf, it's optional for frosting. And what we use at House of Bread is one and a half cups of powdered sugar to about two tablespoons of softened cream cheese and two tablespoons of vanilla. To soften the cream cheese, you can just throw it in the microwave, just like for a minute or so, and then add it to your mixture. And I like to get my frosting so it's like a consistency of a thick pancake batter because then it'll stay on the loaf better. Just spread that on your loaves once they're cool. You don't want to do it when they're hot because it kind of comes up with when you're frosting it. The top will remove. And I do hope you're baking and consuming of your delicious baked goods at this time of year will lift your spirits for you and your loved ones. I can tell you that I... Don't bake as much as home as I used to, obviously, when I opened up a bakery. But I still like to bake a little bit at home because I love all, all the smells. And it just makes me feel uh, like it's the holidays. Just as I have a Christmas tree up, I'm going to bake a little bit of baked goods this time of the year. I would appreciate it if you would share this podcast with your friends or family or anybody else that you think that would enjoy it. Until next time, happy baking.